It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Siegfried and Roy were a big part of Las Vegas entertainment history. From 1981 until 2003, the team performed world-class magic on the Las Vegas Strip. It ended with Roy Horn's catastrophic injury on his birthday on that October 3, 2003 date. Although the duo stopped performing, Siegfried and Roy remained a large presence in Las Vegas. Roy died on May 8, 2020, and Siegfried passed on January 13, 2021. What was the impact of Siegfried and Roy on Las Vegas? And what is their legacy? Two people who could answer that question from both the magic and Las Vegas perspectives are with me. Master magician Lance Burton and comedy magician Fielding West. For everything about Lance, go to LanceBurton.com and you can follow him on Twitter at LanceBurtonMM. And for everything about Fielding West, go to FieldingWest.com and you can follow him on Twitter at FieldingWest. And Lance and Fielding, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ira. Hey, Ira. Nice to see you. Delighted to have both of you on. Siegfried and Roy was such a, a major force in Las Vegas. Where did the two of you first meet them? Well, you know, uh, I will I will quibble with one date you gave in your introduction. Please. Uh, Siegfried and Roy didn't become a force in Las Vegas in 1981. I think the first time they performed was like in the mid-1960s. Uh, their first job in Las Vegas was at the Tropicana Hotel in the Follies Bergere which was coincidentally my first job in Las Vegas uh, in 1982. But, but uh, back in the sixties, they, they appeared in the follies when it was old fountain, which is no longer there. But uh, yeah, that I think their first gig uh, in Las Vegas. So, so they had an impact on Las Vegas for peace. I'm glad, well, I'm glad you corrected that uh, for me, Lance, because my research indicated that, obviously, when they were at the Frontier, but you even, as you remarked, they were at the Tropicana first, so I'm glad to stand corrected, especially by a master magician. They, they, were at the, they were at the Tropicana. I think they left town for a couple of years and went to Puerto Rico, and then they came back, and they were in the Lido, and then Hallelujah Hollywood at the MGM, and back to the Lido, and where they got star billing. And so they, they had a very long career before they ever opened their own show, uh, which was, you know, Siegfried and Roy and Beyond Belief at the Frontier Hotel. So, yeah, they started, they they came up through the ranks. They started as a review show act, and through hard work and dedication and just plain doing a great act, they became headliners and bona fide stars in Las Vegas and all around the world. When did you first meet them, Lance? I first met them when I came to Las Vegas. I opened at the Follies Bruchere in 1982, and after after a couple of months, well, I met Siegfried at the Gary Darwin Magic Club on on Wednesday nights. It's the same. That's the same time I met Lance Burton on the same night. And for those of our listeners who don't know who Gary Darwin was, why don't you tell them, Lance? Gary was the guy who 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 welcomed you to Las Vegas if you magician. I had only been at the Tropicana Hotel for a couple of nights, and I get a call backstage on the payphone, and and I'm thinking, Who, who's calling me on the payphone? I don't know anybody in Las Vegas. <laughs> and and I, I answer the phone, and the guy says, "Hi, this is Gary Darwin, and I heard we had a new magician in town." I said, "Yeah, I just I just opened here." He says, "Well, 
I want to invite you to uh, my magic club. We meet every Wednesday night and we hang out and do magic and it's just a big social uh, get together. I said, Gary, I'd love to come to your magic club on Wednesday night, but I'm, I'm working. I got two shows. He says, that's no problem. We don't start till midnight. (laughs) (laughs) And so I said, I'll be there. And after the show, I ran over to the, the, the old continental hotel there at Paradise and Flamingo, and that's where they were having the club at that time. And I met Gary, and we became friends. And and, and I met Siegfried, and I met Jimmy Grippo, and I met Fielding, and I met all these uh, amazing magicians there at the Darwin Magic Club. And it's still it's still going, by the way. Gary passed away a couple of years ago, but the club still meets every Wednesday night. Fielding, where did you first meet Siegfried and Roy? When I was with Lance at the uh, Continental Hotel. I mean. Uh, I, I believe Harry Anderson was in the room that, at that time. Lance was there. I mean, it was a, a pretty star-studded group of magicians. But all these magicians were working on the strip or working downtown. So they were the working magicians of Las Vegas at that time. And I think Lance is right about that, 1982, something like that. Right. Yeah, I, I had when I first did my initial research, I had forgotten. And I'm glad Lance corrected me in terms of when they actually started. I was referring more to a major force in Las Vegas, but I'm glad to see that there's that earlier history, and that's explained by both of you. What were your initial impressions, both Lance and Fielding, about Siegfried and Roy when you've met them? Well, well, of course, I knew who they were. I mean, I'd seen them when I was a kid on the Merv Griffin show, and I'd seen them on their television specials and knew who Siegfried and Roy were. So uh, I was already a fan. I'd, I'd seen them on videotape. And uh, so it was just, it was, it was just, uh, you know, it was thrilling to meet somebody that you admired. And in fact, you know, it's, it's probably because of Siegfried and Roy and, and, and the great Tom Sony and people like that, that I wound up in this because when I was a kid, there weren't that many magicians that you saw if the only ones you saw were on TV. And I, I got it into my head because of Merv Griffin he would, he would come to Vegas once a year and do a whole week's worth of shows. And he would have all the guys that were working here on his show. So I somehow got into my head that if you wanted to be a professional magician, you had to go to this place called Las Vegas. That's where all the, the pros lived. I didn't know where Las Vegas was. I didn't know anything about gambling or resort. just knew, you know, Siegfried and Roy lived. And that's where I wanted to go. Some of the magic rates live in Kentucky now. Or are from <laughs> yeah. Kentucky, too. <laughs> thinking of you and Matt King particularly, if people don't know. Hey, Fielding, were you inspired at all by Siegfried and Roy, or was it just that you looked at them in awe? Because you have your own unique approach to magic and comedy. Did you look to them at all for inspiration, or were you just respectful of their impact? I I was in total awe of them uh, because, number one, they were such a tremendous uh, act with the exotic animals, the cats and everything. But just to be in their presence... I was pretty much starstruck when I first met him. And then afterwards, I think I walked out and they had a Rolls Royce and this white Rolls Royce pulls up to the front door of the Continental and a guy gets out and opens the door and Siegfried and Roy get in the car and I'm just, my jaw dropped. And I just went, wow, these guys are superstars, you know? I think though they didn't inspire you in one way because they had cats, lions, and all that stuff, and you have Bob the Bird. So I think that there's a discrepancy there. Well, th- there was a major discrepancy. Lance will be the first to tell you that when I came to town, I brought two uh, Burmese pythons that were very large in size, and I did an illusion with these pythons, which uh, 
didn't uh, make me very popular with the hotels. <laughs> they, they didn't care for a guy with snakes. So we eventually worked the snakes out of the act. But uh, you're right, Bob the Bird, that, that concept of having a, a single dove in an act was uh, was the idea. I was contrasting size between a bird and a, a huge animal. Well, you know, it, it was Lance and, and Johnny Thompson had come to see me. I was at the Sands Hotel. I can't remember the year. I was opening for... Uh, John Kay and Steppenwolf, the Born to be Wild rock and rollers. And it was the first time the Sands had had a rock and roll group there. And and I had my name on the marquee and I was there for a week opening for them. And I was doing a five dove act and I wanted to meet Johnny Thompson. And Lance promised that he would bring Johnny across the street to see my show. He was at the Lido. So he said, I'll bring Johnny over to see you. I was so nervous to meet Johnny Thompson that I went backstage the night before and knocked on his dressing room door and introduced myself because I didn't want the pressure. And Johnny <laughs> said, oh, I'm hearing all kinds of great things about you, and I'll be over to see your show. And I said, I'm, I'm going to do something that's going to look like one of your tricks, and I want you to throw a fit in front of Lance. Act like you're going to come back and, 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 and start yelling at me or hit me. And that's exactly what we did. We play, played a big joke on Lance. I produced a bowling ball, which you know was a signature piece of uh, Tom Sony. And he came right up to me going, he runs up and pulls his fist back. Then he kisses me on the cheek. <laughs> <laughs> we should point out for our listeners who may not know, some who may not know, Johnny Thompson and the great Tom Sony are one and the same so that they, they're not confused by the description of the two different names. You know, I, I often take that for granted, but you're right. It, it should be explained. Well, that's all I'm here for, just to try to simplify. To things. verify the facts, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lance did that with the original, original opening that I have, which I'm going to leave in, which is good. Hey, Lance, when you look at the world of magic in Las Vegas, what was the contribution of Siegfried and Roy to Las Vegas entertainment and magic <clears throat> entertainment in particular from a percentage point of view, whether it's 75% that they are the ones that contributed to that rebirth of magic, or was it 100% or was it 50%? So start with Lance, and then we'll ask that of Fielding as well. I, I don't know what the percentage is, but I'll say this. Siegfried and Roy opened the door for magic in Las Vegas. Now, there had been magicians performing in Las Vegas before Siegfried and Roy in review shows and such. But they were the first ones to come to town and say, oh, hey, you know what? We're going to set up shop here. We're going to open our own show, and it's going to be Siegfried and Roy beyond belief, and and it's going to be a magic, it's going to be a magic show, and we're just going to do it, and and it's not going to be, you know, we come in for two weeks and then we leave and go somewhere else. We're going to set up a permanent show, and that's what they did when they, well, they they kind of did that with uh, with the Lido too. People forget that was a big big step when Siegfried when the Lido came and stole them away from from the MGM, the Hallelujah Hollywood show. And said, you guys come over here to the Lido. We're going to give you 30 minutes. And it's going to be a show within the show. And you've got 30 minutes just before the finale to do whatever you want. And that, that was a huge deal. And then to go from that to setting up their own show was a huge, huge deal. No magician had ever done that. And so they, they sort of wrote the book. They were the examples that then every magician saw that, me included, and said, ah, that's the model. Okay. And that was my plan. I, when I came to Vegas, I started in a review show and, and, and believe me, I was, it was, it was, it wasn't an accident. I mean, I was in the Follies for nine years and I looked at Siegfried and Roy as a role model. So I worked on my material and I developed enough 
Shapiro over the course of the nine years, I was then ready to open my own show. And so in 1991, I opened at the Hacienda Hotel. But if it hadn't been for Siegfried and Roy, you know, who knows if that would have ever happened. If you looked also at all of the magicians in Las Vegas over a period of time, were they the most significant in terms of their contributions to, as you said, creating a business model for magic and for making it as big as it became? I, I think they were. I, I, think, I think every magician that's worked in Las Vegas since then has to give a tip of the hat to Siegfried and Roy. It's impossible to say what would have happened if there hadn't been a Siegfried and Roy, but they, they, sure, they sure proved that magic worked in Vegas and a magic show works and you could sell tickets and you could entertain people and you could pack the house. And, you know, in the end, that's, that's, what, that's what they want. That's what the hotels, hotels don't really care what you do on stage. As long <laughs> as you got people coming in, as long as you got butts in seats, that's the important thing. Yeah. Fieldy? Yeah, I have to agree with what Lance said, but I think the way I look at it is magicians in this town were, and Lance might agree with me, before Siegfried and Roy cut the model, they were 12-minute acts. That was it. They were eight to 12-minute acts. A guy would come on, it'd be manipulations, it'd be comedy, it'd be whatever, but they were limited. And there was not a lot of magicians at that time that were closing the show. They came on a little bit later, but Siegfried and Roy made that a very popular thing. People started saying, hey, we can see this magician down here. And, oh, there's another magician over here. And then people started going and seeing, and they, they were picking out their favorite magicians to go follow. And, um, of course, my whole thing has been comedy-based. And I had my, you know, I liked the, the great Tom Sony, Johnny Thompson, because that act was a character-driven and all comedy. And then, uh, and then I started seeing other comedy people coming into town. A fellow by the name of Otto Wesley from Europe came in. Uh, there was Lance, who's our friend from England that played over at the Hilton. Wayne Dobson. Wayne Dobson came in from England. Very, very strong comedy. Just brilliant stuff. And I mean, I, I don't think he used it much more than a, than a rope and yeah, a balloon. Wayne, I saw Wayne back in the 80s. He was open for Engelbert Humperdinck. Exactly. And hilarious, hilarious magic. And he closed, he closed his show by vanishing a cigarette. Exactly. And you know what was funny? You could always tell. It must have been embarrassing for magicians. They had to put their foot down because magicians would go over and pay the, the 40 or $50 back then to go into Engelbert Humperdinck show. And the moment the act was, the, the magic act was over, you would just see people standing up and exiting the room. And I'm sure Engelbert went, oh yeah, you know, th thanks. Thanks, fellas. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. My guests, master magician Lance Burton and comedy magician Fielding West are talking about the impact of Siegfried and Roy on Las Vegas and their legacy. For everything about Lance, go to LanceBurton.com and follow him on Twitter at LanceBurtonMM. For everything about Fielding West, go to FieldingWest.com and follow him on Twitter at Fielding West. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. 
These days, everyone needs a little help. Even if you're starting to get back on your feet, Three Squares Emergency Food Pantry Partners and mobile food sites are still open and ready for you. These resources are available for anyone who needs a little help. We're here to serve our city's children, elderly, at-risk families, and new families experiencing job loss or extra challenges due to the pandemic. Finding a location near you is easy. Just go to threesquare.org and click Get Help. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with master magician Lance Burton and comedy magician Fielding West. We're talking about the impact of Siegfried and Roy on Las Vegas and their legacy here. For everything about Lance, go to LanceBurton.com and you can follow him on Twitter at LanceBurtonMM. And for everything about Fielding West, go to FieldingWest.com and follow him on Twitter at FieldingWest. And Lance and Fielding, what was from your point of view, and talking with Siegfried and Roy, their favorite illusion, and then I'm going to ask you what your favorite illusion of theirs was. But first, what Siegfried and Roy's favorite illusion was? I don't know what their favorite illusion was. I never discussed that with Siegfried. Um, I, I, always, I always point to their original 12-minute act that they did at the uh, MGM in Hallelujah Hollywood. It was about it was about a 12-minute act, and it was just a brilliant, brilliant act. And it was something totally unique in show business. No one had seen anything like it because every trick involved a wild animal, a lion, a tiger, a black panther. And it was, uh, it, it was just, you know, very physical and brilliantly done. And it really captured people's imagination. And here's Here's a little tidbit in their career. When they were at Hallelujah Hollywood, when they took a night off, which wasn't very often, you know, that show seven days a week. But if they took a week off for a vacation to have a break, the maitre d's had to have a sign that they put out in front of the showroom. So as people were coming in, before they were seated, they had to see this sign, and it said, Siegfried and Roy will not be appearing in the show tonight. And you ask yourself, why did they have a sign? Well, it's because people complained. If they went into the show, and then after the show, they went, wait a minute, where's this Siegfried and Roy act I've been hearing about? Well, they would go complain to the captains and maitre d's. So they, they had to have a sign made and put out. And that's when Siegfried always said that's when he knew that him and Roy had something special. That's quite an impact when you have to put a sign up telling people your favorite people are not in the act tonight. And I assume a percentage of those people did not come into the show. Well, I don't know if, if, if anybody left or not, but at least, you know, it cut down on people, you know, uh, complaining after the show. Fielding? Yeah, I think I, I remember people referring to Siegfried and Roy during that time period as the fastest 12 minutes in show business because they ran. I mean, Roy ran uh, their sub trunk, their cats. I mean, it was all very fast paced music. I just remember the saber dance and, and, uh, and uh, song. And I just remember the pacing of the show just being so dynamic. And so, I mean, you were overwhelmed with magic. Were they, and this may not be something you guys can answer, but I've always have been intrigued by whenever you see a, a duo 
a very popular duo. You know, you, you look at comedy with Martin and Lewis and, you know, and that kind of thing. Well, with Siegfried and Roy, was one more the dominant partner than the other in terms of either the magic on stage or the business off stage? What do you think, Lance? I think that they were the, the dynamic of the two of them complemented each other. I mean, yeah, one was. I, I, I always, uh, I mean, I knew Siegfried better than Roy. I mean, I knew both of them and, and, and hung out with both of them, but I, I really was, I guess, closer to Siegfried because Siegfried was the magician and Roy was the animal guy. So I think that was kind of the division of labor. You know, if it had, if it were a question to do with an animal, what can an animal do on stage? How do we do it? You know, that was Roy's department. If it was figuring out a new illusion, designing a new illusion. That was Siegfried's department. And as far as the business goes, you know, that I don't know. I never really, I never really got into that kind of a discussion. But it is fascinating, though, as you mentioned, that Siegfried was the magic part of it and Roy being the animal part of it. And both obviously complemented each other. You couldn't have yeah. one without the other. Yeah. And the impact on and the two of them wouldn't have been what it was. And this is why I always say this was a unique moment in magic history, in Las Vegas history, in entertainment history. And we will never, ever see this again. Not in our lifetime, not in our children's or our grandchildren's lifetime. Number one, you're not going to see wild animals on stage anymore because society changes and people don't feel the same way about that as they did 20, 30 years ago. And the other thing is, as you say, it was a partnership. And Roy, we all know, Roy had this amazing gift to be able to communicate with these animals. He, There's no question in my mind. He could communicate on a level that the rest of us aren't really aware of with those animals. And the things that we saw him do in the show and in the videos with those big cats, riding them like they were a big dog and playing with them. And that is just simply another level. And on the other hand, Siegfried can tell you, I can speak with authority on this. Siegfried was one of the greatest magicians ever to step on the stage in the history of magic. If there were no Roy, Siegfried would still have been a great magician and a great magic act. Perhaps not at the level he achieved with the two of them together, because you have you have two individuals, each one gift and driven in their in field, and then melded together. It created something totally unique and totally new in the world, and we will just simply never see that again. Do you think that what allowed them to prosper and develop and create that business model you talked about earlier? Do you think that that Part of it is still possible in Las Vegas. Not the unique talents of Siegfried and Roy, but just the structure that allowed them to be in a production show, hone their craft, just as you did too, Lance, and then be able to then start their own their own show. Is that possible in Las Vegas either today yeah, or in the future? Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, we we see it all the time. There's there's new people come along, new magicians with new approaches to magic. It's it's you know you 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 can't. You can't expect that to happen by getting up on stage and doing things the same way the guy before you did. You know, you have to be inspired maybe by the past, but you've got to put your own spin on it. You've got to you've got to find your own way 
to make the magic yours and present magic in a in a in a way that's fresh and new for people. And that's and 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 that's what people gravitate to. One common thread that all of you have, Fielding does, you do, Siegfried and Roy and other magicians have, is this work ethic. Where does that come from? And how is it developed? Because you clearly need to put the nose to the grindstone and keep it there day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. It's like anything in art, you have to you have to apply yourself. You have to get up every day. If you're a dancer, you have to stretch, you have to dance. If you're a singer, you have to warm up your throat. You have to sing every day. And the same thing with the magic. It's all a, a coordinated physical, mental, and verbal. Uh, well, in a lot of cases, uh, verbal, but not necessarily. But you have to apply yourself. And, and I think it's the drive. How bad do you want it? You know, Lance and I always talk about if you want to be a, a young magician, you have to do a minimum of 1,000 shows before you want to get out and start deciding that you're a professional magician. You want to put your time in so that you find out who you are as a, as a, as a performer, as an artiste on stage, and that takes a minimum of 1,000 shows. You know, I'm looking at the time, but I'd like to share a quick story with you. Go ahead. I was on the set of The Magic Box, which is Siegfried and Roy's motion picture that they made. It was a 3D IMAX film. And uh, we were in L.A. for 21 days. And the, the great Tom Sony and I went over as technical people. Uh, I, I worked with the, uh, two young actors that played Siegfried and Roy. But there was a scene, very moving scene, where young Siegfried had ridden on a bicycle with only one pedal, 26 kilometers, to go to another city because he found a, a five Deutschmark on the street and he wanted to buy a book of magic. So here he is, and here's the scene, and he's looking through the window of the magic shop. And then he knocks on it, and the door's open, and he comes in, and he's looking. He's totally intrigued, and there's a parfait floor, black and white, and he starts walking down this long, just looking at the books and the magic tricks. And he comes to this one spot, and there's a little lady sitting there, and she's knitting, okay? So now they said, let's, let's take a look at that scene again. So we're over in a monitor. I have no idea that there's a microphone right two inches from my mouth. So Johnny and I are sitting there watching this, and this, this young Siegfried uh, actor comes walking up, and just as he gets to the little lady, he has no lines. But I say to Johnny, which I think is funny, excuse me, do you guys carry rubber dog poop? And this goes out, the entire crew, 180 extras, uh, and I feel this tap on my shoulder, and Siegfried says, this is my friend Fielding. He's now going to perform five minutes. We're taking a five-minute break. And he had me go out and do the balloon swallowing, where I blow up the balloon, tie it off, and swallow the balloon. And uh, and Roy was was laughing. He's going, Siegfried, he says, yes, Roy. He says, Siegfried, I think we find an opening act. <laughs> <laughs> we have about so Lance and I did a thing, a quick story, another one. Uh, Lance and I put on the Stars of Magic concert for Hunger in Africa in March of 1985. It was kind of a takeoff on USA for Africa. We were raising money for the, well, the we're using that theme song, We Are the World. So we invited all these famous magicians to come to Las Vegas. Harry Anderson was our MC. Doug Henning was there. Harry Blackstone. It was just uh, Mark Wilson. It was just, a, it was jam-packed with magicians. And they took a photo, a group photograph of this, and, and Siegfried and Roy put it in their book that they, they used to sell after their show. And uh, Siegfried autographs my book, and he puts Sarmoti, 
uh, Siegfried and Roy, Masters of the Impossible. I did not know this tag. I did not know this anagram. So uh, I'm with Gary Darwin, who we were just speaking about. I said, do you have Siegfried's number? He says, well, I have the office number. So he calls the office, and Siegfried just happened to be standing there. I said, hi, this is Fielding West. I just called to thank Siegfried for the wonderful book. She says, well, he's right here. And she hands the phone to him. I said, Siegfried, I got a question. This Sarmoti, is this German for smart ass? And Siegfried goes, why, why, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have about a minute left. So for each of you, how do you see the future of magic in Las Vegas? And Lance, since Fielding hogged the, the time for, from you for a few minutes, with some good stories, by the way. <laughs> we'll ask both of you. All right, go ahead, Fielding, you take it first and we'll end with Lance. What do you see as the future of magic in Las Vegas? First, Fielding. Well, I, I think that once we get uh, back to work and, you know, everybody gets vaccinated and we can all go back and start performing, I believe that there's going to be a real influx of people wanting to go back to the theater. They've been starved for theater live performances. And, of course, magic is very much a part of that in our city. I, I see magic coming back very strong. Lance? Yeah, I agree. You know, we've had magicians for 5,000 years, at least, that we know of, of recorded history. So. Everybody's taking a little break for a year because of the pandemic. But once once that's over, I think magic will come back strong in Las Vegas. You have still some amazing magic shows and amazing magicians working in Las Vegas. If you haven't seen Chris Angel over at Planet Hollywood, go see him. I saw him just before uh, everything closed down. A fantastic show. Matt King, of course, is in like his 20th year at Harris in the afternoon probably the finest stage magician working in the world today. Matt Franco, I just saw uh, over at the link, again, before everything closed down. Very charming, uh, terrific show. Just uh, couldn't be prouder of him. So, and, and, and they're everywhere. Magicians are everywhere. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guests have been Master Magician Lance Burton and Comedy Magician Fielding West. They've been talking about the impact of Siegfried and Roy on Las Vegas and their legacy. For everything about Lance, go to LanceBurton.com and you can follow him on Twitter at LanceBurtonMM. And for everything about Fielding West, go to FieldingWest.com and you can follow him on Twitter at FieldingWest. Lance and Fielding, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Ira. My pleasure, Ira. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Happy